And the first thing is that in the early, early years of the New Testament church, now we're talking about A.D. 60, 62, somewhere where Peter would have been writing this letter. Remember that we have dated it pre the burning of Rome in A.D. 64. So it's somewhere around 30 years from the death of the Lord Jesus. Then there was Pentecost. Then there was the mushrooming of the church in Jerusalem. Then the wave of persecution that sent Christians around. And then you had Paul the apostle, the first missionary, going out and taking the gospel to these places where there are now Christians to whom Peter is writing. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Goller. Today we're looking at the office of elder. We're looking at 1 Peter. And I trust you will stay tuned with us as we come to our message. We have a couple of hymns, Trust and Obey. No one ever cared for me like Jesus by Al Smith. Firstly, our short devotional on Psalm 19. This is a psalm where the heavens declare the glory of God. And it's all about our meditations, our thought process. As a Christian, it matters to God how we think. We are to be meditators and thinking God's thoughts after him. Indeed, that is the very best theology of all, when our thoughts are the very thoughts of God himself. Psalm 19 says, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven, and his circuit unto the ends of it, and there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. Well, these first six verses in Psalm 19, they really deal with the Christian meditating on what God has revealed in his own creation. Man was created to walk upright on two feet, so he could look up and worship God by viewing his glory in the heavens. Man lives by the reality that God is the creator and we are but the creature. This great distance between us creates humility. One has said there is a more in common between a slimy slug and an angel. Both are creatures than there is between man and God. For God is the infinite creator, and man is made of the dust, looking up at God's handiwork. The true worshiper accepts this great reality, and he is not going about to establish his own reality. A world where man is at the center, that is to rebel against God's glory revealed in his creation. In our meditations of God, we should think of him as the creator and sustainer of the universe. The creation is our teacher. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. It is a universal teacher. 
There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. The creation is without bounds, and yet it keeps us within bounds. In creation, God speaks volumes, and thus leaves every man without excuse to acknowledge God's existence, God's power, and God's wisdom. Let us bow our heads and just acknowledge the God of our creation. Father, we thank Thee for the light of Your Word here in Psalm 19. Let that Word shine into our hearts today. Let us see Thee in the glorious creation You have made, and that there You have revealed Your power, Your mighty wisdom, and in the complexity of the human body, the human mind, and the very universe that You have created, we see the majesty of the Lord our God. Lord, enable us just to look up in faith, to praise you, and to give you all the glory for the God who you are. Now draw near and bless your word today. Open hearts and minds to the wonderful message of the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. to tell you what I think of Jesus since I found in him a friend so strong and true I would tell you how he changed my life completely he did something that no other friend could do no one ever cared for me like Jesus there's no other friend so kind as he no one else could take the sin and darkness from me oh how much he cared for me was full of sin when Jesus found me all my heart was full of misery and woe Jesus placed his strong and loving arms about me and he led me in the way I ought to go comes to me with new assurance more and more I understand his words of love but I'll never know just why he came to save me till someday I see his blessed face above ever cared for me like Jesus there's no other friend so kind as he no one else could take the sin and the darkness from me 
Smith singing for us, and we really do appreciate the opportunity to bring you the message of the gospel here today. We're turning to 1 Peter 5, the elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. And then here is the command to elders, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof not by constraint, but willingly. And I trust that today the Lord will draw near as we minister on this whole subject of elders ministering to God's people. Thank you for being a part of the program. Stay with us right to the end. We have another hymn, and we have some announcements for you at the close of the program. Coming back to 1 Peter 5 and these opening few verses that deal with the subject of elders. And it starts off with the elders which are among you. If you were to go into a modern hospital today, you would see, in, most likely in the hallway, a directory. And you might even see a sign this way to elder care. And then when you come into a church, you might pick up some of the literature on the table and see, do you want to come under elder care? That can be confusing. You wonder, you go to a hospital, they talk about elder care, and then you come to church, and it's all again about being under elder care. Well, uh, in our present generation, of course, uh, very often those that are uh, more aged in life and need some hospital care, uh, that's the section they're in. Now, in a church, an elder is usually one who is of a mature age, who has good experience in the Word and in the walk of the Christian life. Here in 1 Peter 5, there are two big surprises that meet us right away. And the first thing is that in the early, early years of the New Testament church, now we're talking about A.D. 60, 62, somewhere, where Peter would have been writing this letter. Remember that we have dated it pre the burning of Rome in A.D. 64. So it's somewhere around 30 years from the death of the Lord Jesus. Then there was Pentecost. Then there was the mushrooming of the church in Jerusalem, then the wave of persecution that sent Christians around, and then you had Paul the Apostle, the first missionary, going out and taking the gospel to these places where there are now Christians to whom Peter is writing. Now, all of that takes time. And yet we find in this very letter, this first letter of Peter, that he's saying, the elders that are among you. So these are New Testament churches, first generation, very, very brand new, and yet it appears that each of them have their own elders. You must realize how rapidly and how quickly these churches developed and formed into a church government body that was of God. Now, the other big surprise that hits you when you read these early verses is that Peter likens congregations to sheep. 
he talks here about a flock. And this answers a very important question for us right at the get-go here tonight. And the question is, and this is a very big important question because it is challenged in so many quarters, and the question is, do Christians really need to be governed? Do you need a government in a New Testament church where there are positions, offices, guides, guardians, pastors, elders, whose office it is to care for the sheep? Of late, there are movements in certainly in evangelical circles, where people say, you don't need to be in membership. You don't need office bearers. All you need is just a building and a preacher, and all will run well. Come and go as you please. No rules, no regulations, just free for all. Well, many have tried that model, and it fails every time. Why? Because Christians are like sheep. Now, you think about a sheep. It's the most helpless of animals. Sheep can't feed themselves. They have to be led to pasture. Sheep can't clean themselves. They have to be cleaned. They have to be washed. They have to be clipped of their wool and problem areas. They cannot even find water on their own. Other animals seem to have an, an instinct of how to find water, but sheep don't. And they will die of thirst unless there's someone to lead them. Sheep seldom can give birth on their own without the shepherd's help. They are one of the most problematic animals at birth, and they need a lot of help. They cannot protect themselves from beasts of prey. The uh, wolves, the uh, fox, uh, many cougars and whatever else might be roaming around the, the ranch or the farm, the poor sheep has nothing to protect itself. And its very nature is that it just will tremble with worry. And of course, we know many, many Christians who are given to worry. And when you read the book of Psalms and sometimes the book of Isaiah, you will find the many, many fear nots of the Lord's word to comfort, to calm God's people. And in all the issues and struggles of life, we are like sheep and we need to be guided and we need a shepherd. This all adds up to the fact that a Christian can be a very lonely and a very helpless soul in a hostile world. Maybe I'm looking at someone tonight, and you feel absolutely lonely. You feel that you have no friendship, no strength, no support in your desire to live a victorious, brisk, godly life and you just feel you're all alone. But the Lord has ordained his church. He has ordained pastors for their work of ministry, and he has ordained, as we read here in 1 Peter 5, elders to do this work. 
Now, coming back to that New Testament model, there is one important guide that we must not miss, and I'll give you this now. It'll help us later. And it's found in Acts 14.23. Acts chapter 14 and verse 23. And we learn here, when they had ordained them elders in every church. Now, you can imagine this now. There were small towns, small communities, scattered communities, pockets of Christians, and they were coming together to meet as a New Testament church. And it says that when they had ordained them elders in every church. So this, as we see, is the, the pattern, the model, the will of God that each and every church has its own elders. You'll notice that these men are set apart to this office. It says, and when they had ordained them. Now, we might wonder what that would entail, ordaining. It certainly means setting apart. It's made public. These men have an office. They have a task. They are to be rulers in the church. They are given the work of shepherds to care for God's people. Now, how would that be done? Well, we'll not take time tonight, but when we look at chapter 1 and chapter 6, we see that they had elections. They were to look out men among them with the right qualifications, and they were, the people were to do the choosing. And that's one of the, the very big principles of uh, Presbyterian or Reformed churches, that it is the people that choose their own office bearers. And they appoint them, and when they are set apart or ordained to that office, they now have a responsibility, and they are to carry out their charge carefully. Now, they are ordained by the people to serve the people. And it's not a hierarchy, but rather it is a man among the people. Now, if you come back to 1 Peter 5, verse 1, you'll notice exactly how Peter writes this. He's very careful in how he states this. The elders which are among you. They are not above them. They are not distant from them. They are among the people, and they are one of their own. This fellow belongs to us. He's one of ours, and he now has been given this task. Now, you can understand that this office is therefore sacred and can be demanding, and therefore Peter has a word of loving advice. And the word exhortation, I think we should just pause a moment and consider this. He says, I exhort. Now, if someone comes up to you and uh, they exhort you, you usually think it's tough. You usually think that's tough language. Um, if the neighbor comes over the hedge and says, I would exhort you to move your car, uh, you would say, well, he's not going to take any excuses here. I better do it or else. And this word exhort, where Peter writes to these Christians, the elders which are among you, I exhort. I want you to know the tenderness that is behind that very word. 
Now, to, to learn that, I need to take you to the little book of Philemon, that little book before the book of Revelation. And in verses 8 and 9, we have this word used again. Uh, Philemon, verses 8 and 9. It's a difficult book to find. No, that's Jude I was referring to there. That's why I can't find it. So way back here before the book of Hebrews. That's where it is. I got my brain scrambled here, but let's not lose it. Uh, Philemon and verse 8. Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient... Yet, for love's sake, I rather beseech thee. If you're marking your Bible, you might want to put a circle around the word beseech, and it is exactly the same word as the word exhort. So you can see the tenderness. He says, though I may be bold. He says, yet for love's sake, I rather beseech thee. And he comes alongside. And that's exactly what Peter is doing here in 1 Peter chapter 5. He's not coming with a heavy hand. He's coming as a coach, as a helper, as a fellow elder. You'll notice that he says this right here, that he is also himself an elder among them, who am also an elder. So you can see the gentleness. Do you learn something here tonight? Do you have this gift, grace, attitude, when you have to counsel someone? Peter had it. We remarked the number of times throughout this epistle that Peter addressed his fellow Christians as beloved. Beloved. Now, Sometimes in this ecumenical age of phony, plastic, charismatic Christianity, someone uses the word beloved with a whine. You almost think this is fake. But I assure you that Peter, in his desire to encourage and advise these people, was by no means fake. He came alongside with his exhortations, his loving advice, loving advice. Isn't that so much easier to take? Isn't it so much easier to accept loving advice rather than the dictates of a harsh attitude? Let us all learn that tonight. I need to learn it and relearn it. I need to realize that I as a pastor need this approach and care, and I need to pray that I will be gentle. It's one of the qualifications of an elder, by the way, and Peter certainly had it. Now, we want tonight to study Peter's exhortations. I now note four of them. Elders, their office defined. Elders, their work outlined. Elders, their service inspired. And then the last one, if we ever get to it, elders, their rewards deferred. That means it's not in his life. Sorry, brethren. Being an elder in the church will not make you a rich man in this life. It'll cost you. It will mean sacrifice. 
giving up time, giving up energy, and perhaps even expenses. Thank you for joining with us here on Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Golliher, and I trust that you have been encouraged, blessed through the ministry of God's Word here today. What about this whole matter of elders? That's the, the meaning of the word Presbyterian, by the way. Presbyterian comes from the Greek word presbyteros. We have a church governed by elders, and it's in the plural. Paul said that they were to ordain elders in every city, in every church. That means it's not a one-man ministry. It's not one person making the decisions. It's not a bishop or an archbishop uh, ruling in a hierarchy. But those men that are uh, elected, chosen by the people to office, they govern the church and minister to the people. And this is the Presbyterian form of church government. And to be an elder means that you are a shepherd, an under-shepherd, one who cares for the souls of the people. It is a ministry that requires godliness and Bible knowledge, prayer life, a clear testimony of God's salvation, and a heart to serve the Lord and to minister to his people. And in every church, God often gives those gifts and those graces that men may serve the Lord. And I trust that today God will minister to your heart and use you to serve him. And of course, this means that you become a part of that local church where you have opportunity to be that godly influence, a fatherly figure to encourage the weak, to hold up the standard of the gospel, and to preach Christ. May the Lord bless you today. Thank you for being a part of the program. We're coming out to our closing announcements. Stay tuned for these following details. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca 
CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Music